Welcome into the Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com. I'm joined by Travis Ryer, the longtime senior analyst at BamaOnline.com. A lot to cover here in this edition of Talking Tide coming at you a day earlier than normal to recap. The Crimson Tide's 27-6 win over Cincinnati in the college football playoff semifinal over in Dallas. Really quickly, the Twitter feed for Talking Tide is Talking underscore Tide. You can get links to all our podcasts right there. Give us a follow for sure. You can also get us live on YouTube and Facebook. Videos of the podcast appear in both of those places. Apple Podcasts and all of your podcasting apps will have us. And as well, you can get us at our web host at megaphone.com. Also, quickly want to thank our sponsors, Peter Brook, Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa, North River Dental Associates, and DraftKings. More on them later in the program. Travis, we dive right in. With this CFP semifinal, the Crimson Tide gets it done 27 to 6 over Cincinnati, a game that if you look at the final score and didn't watch the game, you'd think, ah, it was a blowout. Uh, and at the end of the day, I suppose it certainly was. However, uh, it took Alabama some time to pull away in this one, and, and Cincinnati gave, gave Alabama. Uh, a tough fight for what I would consider to be at least two and a half quarters, if not three. Yeah, they did. You know, you think about the the way the score turned out, but then you look at a lot of the other stats, and Alabama pretty dominant in a lot of those areas. 482 total yards, of course, 301, a UA bowl record on the ground with Brian Robinson having a monster game at the running back position, but kind of had the feeling going in that this might be a little bit of a grinder. And when you saw Alabama come out on that opening possession and really commit to that run game against Cincinnati's 3-3-5 look, you got the feeling that this might be more like Ole Miss for Alabama than, say, Georgia from earlier in the month. Right from the outset, the game plan was obvious, right? The way they drove down the field with Robinson left, Robinson right, Robinson up the middle – uh, Alabama definitely wanted to and did establish the running game. We've seen Alabama take to that approach. Uh, you mentioned Ole Miss uh, a couple times this season. They've decided, hey, let's let's go ahead and, and, and prove we can run uh, the ball early, maybe create some, some eight-man boxes that will loosen things up for Bryce Young down the field. In this particular game, uh, maybe different from some past games where Robinson has been the story early, didn't see Bryce Young go over the top to Jamison Williams really at all. Now, they did go over the top for a huge touchdown to Ja'Cory Brooks toward the end of the first half. Uh, but from a from a yards per catch standpoint, uh, at least by Jamison Williams' standards, it was fairly quiet night for him. It was. And look, Cincinnati was pretty committed to playing those two safeties deep, even when they got down a little bit. So... As long as that was going to be the case and Alabama was getting lighter boxes in terms of numbers, they were just going to keep pounding Brian Robinson. I thought the offensive line did a nice job, but you, much as anything, you got to give a lot of credit to Brian. He was very physical, yards after contact, running through people. Uh, I think he had seven runs of 11 yards or more in the game. You know, he averaged 7.8 on 26 carries. So a huge night for Brian, and you're right. Uh, sort of as a byproduct of that, not so much for Jamison Williams, his lowest yards per catch to total uh, of the season. And for Bryce, the first time he didn't surpass 200 
passing yards in a game, but he still threw three touchdowns on just 28 attempts. So that was a good thing to see. Yeah, we talked in the preview podcast a little bit about Robinson and how he might look. And and I don't think there's any question. And look, you know, you could say, oh, well, that was Georgia and this was Cincinnati. No, there was a there was a spring in Robinson's step in this game that mm-hmm. was not there against Georgia, in my opinion. Uh, coming off of that hamstring deal in the Auburn game, Robinson didn't look himself at, against Georgia from my vantage point, anyway. And he absolutely looked as as fresh as a daisy against Cincinnati. I think the layoff helped him a lot. I think it obviously did. And I thought Trey Sanders continued to look more and more confident working in support of Brian. So uh, it really worked him there in the second half with an emphasis on the fourth quarter once the game was pretty much uh, in command. But Trey was in there throughout the game. Uh, which tells you they have built some more trust maybe in Trey Sanders because it's not just first down and second down that we saw Trey Sanders in the game. We saw him in there in some third downs too. Offensive line, pretty clear now. McLaughlin's the guy at center. I thought he performed well. He was in the game throughout. I, I think at this point that that situation up front is is pretty much cemented for the title game, is it not? You would think so. If they had the layoff and you knew Dahlcourt was going to get some time for that ankle, um, if this was the spot for him to jump back in, you would have thought this would be it. Plus, you've already invested a game's worth of reps in McLaughlin against Georgia just four weeks ago. So you like that familiarity that you've got, I would think, now with McLaughlin at the center position going against this Georgia front and you know, they had an in-game situation at right guard with Emil Echior going out with that shoulder injury and J.C. Latham, the true freshman, coming in there. And, you know, the run game really didn't miss a beat with J.C. Latham in there. They had some issues where pass rush is concerned up front, but just in terms of, you know, grinding out the run game, they were very effective really from start to finish. Turning point for this game, Travis, in, in my opinion, uh, the the back end of the first half combined with the front end of the second half was really where this game turned for Alabama. Of course, we, we just mentioned that late in the first half, uh, they hit the big touchdown pass to Ja'Cory Brooks. That made the score 17-3. to Obviously, that was a huge score. But immediately following that, Cincinnati had two straight possessions, right? They were able to finish out the first half, then they received the second half kickoff. Alabama shut Cincinnati down uh, on that last drive before the half. They got a back-to-back sacks uh, to kind of close things out at halftime. And then to open the second half, Cincinnati found some offense, one of their better drives of the game offensively. uh, But Alabama defensively was able to kind of bow up and force them to kick that field goal instead of giving up seven. And I think from from the Ja'Cory Harris touchdown catch late in the first half to the point where Alabama held Cincinnati off to to the field goal early in the second half that window right there to me that's where Alabama kind of flexed and really the fumble recovery by Kool-Aid McKinstry on the muffed punt by Jojo Earl that led to that 94-yard drive that Brooks capped that was a huge play because That was the kind of play you knew Cincinnati needed to have a chance to pull off the upset. It wasn't just going to be a takeaway, a turnover for Alabama. It was going to be a doorstep opportunity for Cincinnati. But 
Kool-Aid uh, makes a nice play in getting on that loose ball. And, um, you know, you hit a third down early in that drive. You know, Jamison Williams taking on more of a possession receiver role, but you keep the chains moving. You're thinking, okay, well, Alabama's at least going to get to the half up 10-3, to three, but you're right. When they hit Ja'Cory Brooks on the touchdown pass, and then even on the ensuing kickoff, which don't get me started about the decision to kick the ball across the field from the left hash that led to a 40 yard return uh, for Cincinnati. But you're right. Pass rush really helped Alabama get off the field there, get to the half 17, three. And I thought, yeah, that opening possession for the third quarter for Cincinnati was going to really tell the tale for the game did go down and get points. And you started to see at that point, Cincinnati's offensive staff say, look, we got to start getting Ritter involved in the run game because just Jerome Ford wasn't going to be enough at that point. Uh, But Alabama, once again, limits the damage, holds the Bearcats to three. And from that point forward, you felt like Alabama was in pretty good shape. Speaking of the JoJo Earl muff on the punt, let's go ahead and hit that, hit on that while, uh, while you're bringing it up. A handicap the likelihood for (laughs) starting punt returner for the Crimson Tide against those Georgia Bulldogs in the national championship game, Travis. Is it Earl or is it Bolden in your uh, thought? I think it's going to be the guy with the number of national championships on the side of his helmet. 18. Yeah, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be Slade. Um, You know, they were kind of, I think, rotating there for a second. And then uh, JoJo had the mishap. And from that point forward, it was Slade Bolden. I don't see that changing. Who knows? You know, maybe maybe they'll go back to Earl, but uh, I would think it would be Slade. Jumping over to the defensive side of the football for the Crimson uh, Tide, Travis. Now, uh, you mentioned Jerome Ford not getting it done. I, and I mentioned this in the preview pod. Getting him stopped and shut down early, I thought was – pretty critical for the Crimson Tide's defensive effort overall. Uh, He did not generate much of any yardage. We're talking about a guy who ran for almost 1,300 yards for the Bearcats on the year, I think. Really had a big, big season. Uh, So uh, certainly the run defense showed up to play. And and, uh, beyond that, a couple more sacks for you-know-who. Yeah, it's rubber stamp sort of stat line and kind of on the minimal side of it for Will Anderson with a couple more sacks, but you know, they got it from some different guys in the pass rush too. I thought DJ Dale in the first quarter, his sack, that was his first sack since the Mercer game back in week two, that slowed some things down for, for Cincinnati, which had a little offensive momentum going there in the first quarter. So, you know, give DJ Dale some credit, Dallas Turner, once again, coming up with a sack. And then even later in the game, you saw some depth, Drew Sanders, Chris Braswell, trying to keep that position fresh. But certainly it starts on the edge still with Will and, you know, Dallas Turner. And But, again, good to see some pass rush um, from D.J. Dale and also good to see hands and passing lanes, right? I think six pass breakups in the game, four of them came in pass rush type situations. So one of those was by Henry Toa in the first quarter that, saved a touchdown because Alec Pierce for Cincinnati's open on the slant. Toa Toa gets All a hand day. up and, and knocks that away because Kool-Aid was beaten pretty badly there on that inside move by Pierce. Yeah, there's no doubt. Uh, Pierce got all kinds of separation with that slant and Toa Toa was able to knock that pass down. That 
was a was a touchdown. There's no question. And then, of course, on the very next play, they they go right back to Pierce, and he has a drop. I mean, that, he's got to catch that ball. It was I, high, I, but he's got to catch it. He's six four, yeah, six yeah, three. Yeah, I agree. Two hands on that one, and then of course on the third down, uh, they try to go with a screen that that Alabama read from the jump and just swallowed it whole for a pretty big loss. Did a good job on the tight ends too. I thought Cincinnati's tight ends had a chance to be really involved in the game, but Josh Wiley and Leonard Taylor, those two veterans at the position for Cincinnati, just two catches between them for six yards. And then Pierce, just two catches for 17 yards. And what, what did we say earlier? Desmond Ritter with 4.5 per attempt, you know, they weren't going to win that way. Cincinnati wasn't. Not wearing a ball cap for this podcast, Travis, but I'm going to tip an imaginary cap. <laughs> I'll in, get it for your, you. Yeah, in in your direction uh, for the the prescient call uh, that Jalen Arbor Davis might not be uh, himself for this one. You 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 were unsure of that, and uh, sure enough, he goes out there and uh, isn't quite himself with the hip injury. He misses a. I don't even want to say missed a tackle. He 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 kind of whiffed on it uh, yeah. early in the game. Pretty clearly not himself. And uh, next thing you know, Kyrie Jackson jumps in there, plays for the balance of the game. And so I guess Jalen Armour Davis uh, becomes a question mark all over again for this ten day layoff. Yeah, they kind of went with a rotation. Jalen came back into the game uh, at one point for Kool Aid on the other side, so it was still sort of that three-man rotation, but you've heard coaches talk. So just because we heard Pete Golden say he's been back with us this week, um, yeah, I, I thought that was noteworthy. But then he, later he said, you know, we're going to need some other guys to step up, which told me maybe Jalen Armour Davis wasn't all the way back. And give him a lot of credit for giving it a go. But you said it, the uh, whiff on the – the quick game that led to an explosive play. And I know everyone looks at that and I'm sure it's still related to his lower extremity injury. But, you know, if you haven't been able to practice game speed becomes a real issue when you try to jump back in there. So that could have been in play there with him as well. But I kind of figured that Cincinnati didn't really have the guys on the outside to hurt Alabama at the cornerback spots. And, you know, we'll find out if Georgia does too. Lad McConkey's had a great year for the dogs and, it was really the screens and some of that stuff that hurt Alabama more than anything else. Well, and some penalties, which, by the way, let's give it up for that Alabama defensive secondary. Penalty free against Cincinnati on Friday afternoon. Played some good football. There's no doubt about it. And one guy who played exceptionally well was Brian Branch. You and I talked about him just a little bit uh, right before we we went on the air. Had a big pass breakup on a third and four that I thought was probably the, the the biggest play he made, forced a punt, uh, but it wasn't just that play. He, he made several. No, he was great. I thought he was really good against Georgia. I know people look at him in that matchup with Brock Bowers, and Bowers made some plays, but Brian made some plays against Georgia too. And, um, you know, again, I, I thought he was exceptional. Two more pass breaks up, breakups, as you said, uh, led the way in tackles eight, six of them solos. Uh, he's really taken that star position by the throat. I've gotten questions about Malachi Moore. Where's Malachi Moore? Well, Malachi, he's still helping out on special teams, but you know it's kind of back and forth with Malachi Moore and Brian Branch throughout the season, but about the midway point of that Arkansas game or so, 
the decision was made to go with Brian Branch, and it's looked pretty good in the last couple of games. Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. We're going to thank a couple sponsors of the program right now. We're going to start by telling you a little bit about North River Dental Associates and Dr. Jack Smalley and that fantastic group of dental hygienists they've got over there at North River. Whatever you need dentally, porcelain veneers, cosmetic dentistry, laser dentistry, endodontics, dentures, the always popular teeth whitening services, they do it all over there at Dr. Jack's. Also doing Botox and Juvederm treatments if you want to tighten up those facial features. On a routine teeth cleaning, they're going to get you in and out of the building in less than an hour. They're great with dealing with the insurance folks. There's plenty of parking. There's nothing to complain about. The weights are short. The smiles are big over at North River Dental Associates. If you want to make an appointment, give them a call at 205-752-3506 or visit Dr. Jack and his staff online at NorthRiverDentist.com. It's North River Dental Associates. Yeah, we love Dr. Jack, but really from the moment you hit the door there at North River Dental, it's as pleasant of an experience as you can imagine, certainly where dental work is concerned, from the office staff to the hygienist to Dr. Jack himself. Just you're going to you're actually going to enjoy a trip to the dentist with Dr. A, Jack. I, I was I was a North River as, as a grown adult, Travis. I went a lot of years, decades, I'd say as a, uh, a hater of, of dental visits oh. in general. I mean, who, I mean nobody likes them. Uh, but I hated him more I than most more for than a I long made. time. Yeah, I canceled more than I made there for a long <laughs> there time. There you go. That way. Yeah. But, but when I when I walked into Dr. Jack's and, and started getting it done in that office, uh, I've been twice a year, every single year ever since. That's the deal. Dr. Jack's got that little uh, kids room there off the waiting room, too. Looks really cool. I've been tempted to go in there and, you know, sit in like the little chairs, you know, and kind of go through the storybooks, maybe read some green eggs and ham. So if you have that young person yep. that maybe is coming along with you, they're thinking about you too there at North River Dental. Well, I'm going to tell you about, kind of take this thing 180 from Dental Talk, Peterbrook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Peterbrook just wrapped yesterday as a matter of fact a record setting year for the location 15th nice. year in business record year for peterbrook chocolatier and again it would not happen without the great folks from west central alabama and beyond because you got stuff from peterbrook chocolatier being shipped all over the place these days you can do that as well give them a call at 205-752-0211 I've been working on some of those dark chocolate pretzels throughout the day. Uh, the peppermint bark is very precious this time of year because it is seasonal at Peterbrook Chocolatier. I've hammered that. I know you do as well, Chase. Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Love Peterbrook Chocolate. There's no question about it. It is the only place to go for chocolate in Tuscaloosa. Finally, we're going to tell you a little bit about our corporate sponsor. That would be DraftKings the official sports betting partner of the National Football League. It's the DraftKings Sportsbook. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Download that app. Bet just $1. If you're a new customer, you'll win $100 in free bets. If the team 
you pick scores any points at all. Everyone can play for big cash prizes all season. Also, with that DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest as well. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN. That's the Pigskin Podcast Network acronym. That'll get you set up with that $1 contest, not contest, that $1 offer uh, where you just bet $1 on any team to score, win $100 in free bets at the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Promo code TPPN once again. Download that app, DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. Travis, the back end of the podcast, we are going to talk a little bit about that Georgia-Michigan game. We'll dive back into Alabama men's basketball uh, at some point after the CFP has passed. But for now, uh, we'll stick to the dogs and the Wolverines. Obviously, the big till is a big game for you know, a lot of Alabama fans were watching that one. They they didn't come off the couch, Travis, uh, no. after the win over Cincinnati. And the dogs dominated. Final score, 34-11. to 11. And for me, Travis, the, uh, the point that stuck out to me more than any other in this game is that the Joe Moore award-winning offensive <laughs> line of those Michigan Wolverines uh, didn't uh, did not get the job done whatsoever against that front. That dog's defensive front just just dominated. Custom made, yeah. custom made. Yeah, <laughs> Michigan's award winning offensive line looked like a quintet of tavern doormen trying to go against <laughs> that Georgia front seven. Not Checking a lot IDs. of luck there. Yeah, yeah. Checking IDs and not a great job of it. Just eighty eight rushing yards for the vaunted Wolverines on the ground and. That had to be somewhere around 150 or better, at least, didn't it, for Michigan to have a true chance in this game? What did we talk about last week? Quarterback, playmakers on the outside. Cade McNamara, really a quarterback that's going to beat this Georgia team and have success against this Georgia defense. And don't get me wrong, again, not nearly enough outside. But I'll tell you this, defensively, you didn't think Michigan – would hold Georgia under 20 points or anything like that. But it wasn't just that Georgia was better up front. It was the mismatches in space that Georgia continuously got against that Michigan defense. And again, James Cook, this guy splits out wide. You better send a corner with him. Yeah. Because as we saw in Tuscaloosa a year ago, if he goes out wide, he's not window dressing. He's not ornamental to the formation. They will throw it deep to him if they get the right matchup, and they were able to do that and even got a touchdown pass from Kenny McIntosh, the running back, on a halfback pass uh, in the game. It was domination, no doubt about it. Custom-made sort of opponent for Georgia, and Georgia did what you thought they would do. Yeah, 144 total yards for James Cook on 10 touches, Travis. Four catches, 112 receive, and had the big touchdown. Rushing, he was six for 32 uh, the NFL circles uh, that I run in, it's interesting, Travis. You, you hear some scouting. Uh, there's no consensus at all on James Cook as a pro prospect. You, you hear about some scouts putting a day three grade on him, and you wow. hear others that, that, that love him and, and, and think he's he's a guy who could – Oh, know, and he's Dalvin Cook's younger brother. This is Dalvin yeah. Cook's younger brother, so it's not like he's some right. guy who's – 
shrouded in anonymity. They should yeah. know who this guy is, shouldn't they? They well, or, and they do. They they do. He's smallish. I, he's I not think a big back. Yeah, yeah. It, it, you know that that's one factor. Dalvin Cook's fifteen twenty pounds heavier, right? Uh, than, than James. But the guy, like you said, the guy's phenomenal in Explosive. space. Explosive. Really knows how to catch the football, and he's not. You know, some backs are really good at catching that swing pass if that's all you ask them to do in the receiving game. I right? take him in Jacksonville tonight. Yep. I take yeah. him with the Jags tonight before taking on Mac Jones and the Pats on Sunday. Tonight, good bread. I'll tell you, I'll rank the three Georgia backs, in my opinion. Yeah, that's true. That's just a throw, whole other – we throw won't it to get him. on the Jags' uh, offensive line situation. For exactly. Game, it ain't pretty. But it, it, uh, the, George, the three Georgia backs, in terms of next level potential, when you I talk like about – you like you got White, you got yep. Cook – and then you've got McIntosh. You like Cook first. I like Cook first. White's bigger, stronger. I, I think he, he's a pounder. Uh, got two he'll, ACLs, he'll, kind of like it, Bo Scarborough that way. Yeah, yeah. I I, I think it's Cook. He's versatile. I I, think I like Cook, can, McIntosh, then White. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Because McIntosh has got some of that versatility too. He kind of reminds me of a Jordan Wilkins from Ole Miss a few years ago, mm-hmm. who has played a few years in the league. So. Yep. That running back depth is something else. And the dogs got Kendall Milton back. They've always got backs at Georgia. They've always got tight ends at Georgia. And, you know, Bowers, who gave Alabama fits, as you mentioned earlier in the in the show, uh, he gave Michigan first half fits. Yeah. And then Hell they kind of went away from him late in the game. Yeah. But it, but it, it's almost like they – Saving I mean, it. Exactly. Their offense was rolling well enough that if they, they could have gotten Bowers – uh, all the touches they wanted, I think, in this one. But he did his damage early. That guy's a nightmare. He is no fun to deal with as a defense. Yeah, they had three different receivers in the game with catches of 35 yards or more. Bowers had a 35-yarder. Cook had the 53-yarder. And uh, Jermaine Burton had a 57-yarder. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one of those very efficient stat lines for Stetson Bennett, 21 of 31, 310, three touchdowns. And so – you know, we'll see if he can exercise some Bama demons. He's thrown five picks in the two starts against Alabama. So, a little different dog, so to speak, when he goes against Alabama. Speaking of, we're going to wrap up the Talking Tide podcast right here, but your reset for the national championship game coming at you on Monday, January 10th, Alabama versus those Bulldogs in the rematch. It's going to be a, a 7 p.m. Central time kickoff. You're broadcast spot on the dial will be ESPN and Travis and I will be back with you a few days before that one uh, to officially, I won't say formally Travis, cause we don't do anything formally no, on no. this podcast, which is how we like it, but it'll be our official uh, preview of the Alabama Georgia game. Look forward to talking to you then for Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. And we'll talk to you a few days before that national title game right here on Talking Tide.